This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Yesterday, the phones were ringing off the hook as we tackled late-breaking news that the government's hand-picked Economic Advisory Council was recommending that the age of retirement should be raised. Today, we're following up, and there is a development which indicates that this thing has legs. Finance Minister Bill Morneau says he's open to this, despite the fact that his government reversed conservative plans to raise the eligibility age for old age security from 65 to 67 last year. Now, it would appear, or it could appear, that the Liberals are setting the stage to reverse their policy, which was a key plank in their election campaign. And please note, they did just that with their promise on electoral reform. So what do you think? Let me give you the numbers again. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740 is raising the age of eligibility for CPP and old age security from 65 to 67. Is that a good idea? And uh, we have input from a very special guest today from CARP, Moses Nimer, the president of CARP, the founder of this station. Moses, hi. Thanks for coming. <laughs> hi, Libby. What a day. What an unexpected development. Absolutely. So uh, what's your take on it? I must say when the liberals came through here, it was, I think, about two weeks before the election in 2015. And they had a bit of the wind in their sail, but were looking at a majority, not certain of a majority, so they came here to woo the Zoomer voter. They came to this facility, to CARP, to explain what they would do should they succeed in the election. And uh, to my surprise, one of the things that Justin Trudeau promised was that he would roll back the age of eligibility from 67 to 65. Well, that had been done in a kind of sneak attack by uh, Prime Minister Harper and Finance Minister Flaherty a number of years ago when they announced that 65 was going to be pushed to 67, not in Canada, not after consultations, but in St. Moritz at the famous Davos conference. So CARP, well, was upset by this process um, and uh, made it known that we didn't think the process was either dignified or well argued, though even at the time we thought that there were arguments to be made. Um, So we then flash forward, uh, Justin comes to CARP and uh, I got an inkling that something big was up because the party had asked for us to make the facility available and to generate an audience for a special announcement. When that announcement turned out to be the rollback, uh, I remember thinking to myself, wow, uh, here, here is recognition of the power of CARP, and thank you very much for that. Um, but 
what an expensive promise. That's like an 11 or $12 billion commitment. To their credit, to his credit, uh, shortly after they took office, they did it. They announced the rollback. Now, we but, have to but understand— But frankly, Moses, you have to say, he didn't have to do anything exactly. to do it because right. what the conservatives had set in motion was raising the age over a very long period. It was going to start— kicking in, not for anybody who is about to retire and and who has made their calculations and, and was counting on income, but it was going to start in 2023. And in 2023, 65-year-olds were just going to have to wait an extra few months to get their retirement security uh, as the thing was going to be phased in. Exactly. So this is a series of pledges which have been made and retracted, but nothing that's practical and nothing that puts any new money in anyone's pocket. So it seems a little peculiar to me that it has flared up because it will not have an immediate impact on this growing deficit that Justin and his government are now overseeing. Well, what it looks to me like, just observing politically, is that they are setting the stage for Reversing this. This is Bill Morneau's handpicked guy, Dominic Barton, uh, and the rest of that council. And uh, Bill Morneau said he's open to this. And well, that, that seems correct. But again, I, I, I make the point. It won't help them in this term. And it won't help them for, I think, even a second term because it wasn't supposed to cut in until much later. Maybe they're thinking of accelerating it, in fact, in which case they will have quite a bit of a struggle with our constituency. Uh huh. Well, it's interesting that there was no timeline put on this. However, there's a positive spin on it. So in addition to this, this Economic Advisory Council said uh, things should be done incentives to keep people voluntarily in the workforce longer. And they put a number on this because... The thing about this increase in the age, it it has been increased in every other advanced Western country. I have the list here, and maybe we'll go through. That age has been increased, and other countries have a bigger participation of older workers. And by the way, their definition of older isn't that much older. It's 55 to 69. Yes. So I so can be of assistance here there. because I know that when the French dared to move the age of retirement from 60 to 62, there were riots in the street. That seems to be a habit there in France. Uh, they exactly. like a boisterous demonstration of opinion. Um, and, and there does seem to be an inevitability that uh, that age, which now might be pushed back to 70, 67, could well go as far as 70, because here's the point, and I think uh, it'd be good for your listeners to contemplate it, it's not just when you start collecting it, it's how long you collect it for. And because of this radical extension in life expectancy that we're all now beginning to see starkly and that this organization, these radio stations, that advocacy CARP have been talking about for almost 10 years, um, because of that extension in longevity, uh, this actually begins to make some sense. And in that context, voluntary is always better than enforced. So creating incentives for people to take their pensions later 
uh, I think is a good idea. And, and I think in some ways these things will settle themselves out because more and more people are discovering that aside from having to work, because you have to finance these wonderful extra years. Uh, we like to work. We like to have a purpose. We need a purpose in life. And in fact, it's when people withdraw frequently from those things which gave them identity that they begin a decline. Well, okay, yes. So there's another positive thing. So in Canada, the percentage of participation in the workforce of people in this older age group is only 52 in other countries, the average is 62%. Right. And so what this group is saying uh, in terms of generating more money for the government, that if we got it up to the average of the other countries, it would add $56 billion to the economy. You know, that's a little more than chump change. Well, and we've been advocating this all along. There is so much experience, so much knowledge that we used to kick to the curb. We had laws in this country that forced retirement at 65. And our organization, CARP, fought against this and fought against it successfully. I think we think that it's just as bad to force someone to keep working if they don't want to, as it is to force someone not to work when they do want to. Right. And the other thing that I noticed in the original report and didn't have a lot of detail, they did mention the problem of age discrimination and saying that we have to do something about that because I've had lots of callers saying, sure, we want to work. Who's going to give us a job? That too. And subject for an entire other program. But getting back to electoral politics, uh, we'll see what people make of these very significant changes of heart in the government. The government well, it ran on a $10 billion deficit. It's scraping 30, and who knows if it could go higher. It ran on, electrical, on electoral reform and has stepped back from that. So uh, this is going to be very interesting. Okay, let's take some calls. I'm sure our callers are anxious to talk to you, Moses. We've got Marion in Simcoe. Hi, Marion. Hello. You're on the air and we're listening. Hi, Marion. Thank you. I would like to see the government just leave it as it is with the age of eligibility at 65 and allow people to have the choice of working if they wish to work longer. But many people are doing other kinds of work, for instance, they may retire from the actual workforce, but continue on doing volunteer work in the community, which we need, and uh, looking after family members. It may be parents or, or other people that are older yet, or helping their own children in care of grandchildren. Um, and also in rural communities especially, community work and perhaps farm work, which is not considered often as actual workforce. These are very good observations, and of course you detail a mountain of work which is never counted. Uh, it is said that the uh, contribution that, uh, well, uh, people and families make in the care of each other amounts to many, many, many billions a year that uh, never shows up anywhere. So there are various kinds of work indeed. Yes, and to compare other countries, other countries may have more of a percentage in the actual workforce working longer, 
but they may not also have all the different kinds of volunteerism that we see going on here with, for instance, the Alzheimer's Society, hospital auxiliaries. I believe Canada is second only to the Netherlands in terms of volunteerism, and it's a great thing, and it's uh, Zoomers who do a lot of the volunteering. So, yes, you're absolutely right, and it's not just... I, I wouldn't necessarily call caregiving volunteering that's no. that's that's that is thrust upon you in yes. many cases. Well, yes. But you know it may save someone from going into um a care Absolutely. place. Even even if um the age is eventually pushed back to 67 or possibly beyond um some consideration should be given to people who need help in that bridge period if yeah. if someone is in some kind of dire situation whether it's because they can't find work or because their work is desperately needed at home uh, we should we should find a mechanism to provide and and that should be done before anything is is put into effect marion thanks for your call uh, let's go to dennis in brampton hello dennis good, good afternoon uh, libby and moses hello you're uh, on the air and we're listening well, I, it's tough to follow that lady from Simcoe. She was she made some excellent points. Uh, I guess my points are I have two, and that relates to uh, the job market in terms of uh, the ability to absorb more more people working longer. Uh, having been in the career transition business, I know that uh, from 55 to 65, if you lose your job, and that's commonplace today, is very difficult. Uh, to get back into the workforce, and those people even have difficulty getting into things like uh, like Home Depot. So it's an interesting concept, but I don't know. I don't think the job market's there to absorb it. And that's not to mention the young people are still struggling to find uh, employment as well. You know, it's it's interesting in this report, what they pointed out is that according to the way they see things, they don't think it's a zero-sum game that if an older person stays in the workforce, it means a younger person won't get a job, because I know a lot of people make that equivalency. Uh, but in what you've observed, uh, would you say it's a matter of age discrimination? I think there's no question about that. And uh, I think people just aren't, you know, that experience is not valued. And, uh, you know, there is some truth to the matter that as you do age, um, your ability to keep pace in, uh, in the modern workplace. I mean, the, the pace of life and work has accelerated greatly. And so that, that does become somewhat compromised. And, uh, you know, rather than try and accommodate that, the decisions are made, well, let's just simply cut them loose and get, uh, get someone younger to come in here and do the job. You know, honestly, I'm not sure about that. I know a lot of people in their 70s who have very, very fast-paced work lives. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm looking at one right across the table here, Moses. <laughs> well, Not you know, that, that you are the usual general person, but I know a, a lot of people. Yeah. I, think, I think larger corporations also need to consider how they might reorganize work. Many people with great experience to give may not want to work at the same level of intensity, but would still like engagement. So if jobs can be rethought that way, I think that would also make an opening for 
the next wave. Um, and even as we're discussing these problems in the economy, both for the young and for the old, uh, occasionally we read reports about a lack of labor availability yep. in certain specialized fields, which is one of the reasons that's given for our relatively high levels of immigration. Uh, um, you make very good points. I guess my, my second point, I'll be quick, is we talk about increased life expectancy, but when you actually look at it, I mean, we're... We've, we're just inching up, right? I mean, it, it's increased, but, but not by a whole lot on average. That, that's not true, really. That's, well, if you look at the beginning of the century, the average life expectancy was about 50. You mean the last century? Last, oh, sorry, yes, right. I'm and still at the stuck. End, and at the end of the Second World War, life expectancy in Canada was about 60, 60 and a bit. So we have gained about 20 years to 25 years. The girls are up at about 84 now, 85. Three, something like yeah, that. Yeah, for life expectancy, and they're a few years ahead of the males. Uh, so we have gained 20, 23 years of life expectancy since the end of the Second World War. That's, that's an amazing number. It used to take a millennium to move the needle by 10 years. So we're galloping along. What we'll see now is whether or not this growth curb will be sustained, though the most prominent medical journal in the world, arguably, The Lancet out of the United Kingdom, said, uh, I think it was in the spring of 2015 or 16, that half of the babies born today will live to be 100. Thank you for taking my call. Okay. Pleasure. Thanks, Thanks for your very remarks. Much. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. I'm here with Moses, and we are talking about this surprise recommendation yesterday from the government's hand-picked Economic Advisory Council to raise the age of retirement. Uh, my take on it, I think the government is setting the stage to uh, renege on a promise they made, a promise they actually fulfilled, which is that they would keep the official age of retirement for CPP and for OAS at 65. We're about to take your calls. Moses. I wanted to remind everybody, actually, the first fellow who made us that undertaking was Tom Mulcair. Um, so this is after he took over the NDP. I think it goes back to 2013 or maybe even 2012. And everybody had their eye on the next election, and Tom was the first guy who said that his first act on taking over as prime minister of this country would be to roll back that age of eligibility. That was then uh, to, to, echoed. To leave it at 65. Yeah, to yeah. roll it back. Because yeah. by that time, Harper oh, okay. and Flaherty had made their move. And, and so the liberals, in chasing that NDP vote, which they did so successfully in the last election, came up with a plank which echoed an NDP commitment. Uh they do that in Ontario, too. <laughs> it seems to be a reasonably good strategy. Let's go to the phones. We've got Jim in Hanover. Hi, Jim. Hi. You're uh, on the air. I just wanted to ask a question. Did anybody ask the employer uh, how he feels about this? Because if he keeps people longer, I mean, they're at the top of the, the vacation scale, so they're getting 10 weeks. So if they have, Ten weeks? they have another two two years... Those people will still be getting their 10 weeks, whereas if they retired at 65, they could hire somebody younger and uh, 
wouldn't be getting as much holiday pay. Well, I think so with this... it would be a big cost to companies as well. Yeah, you make a good point. I think and, with this news, people will begin to ask the bigger employers what their position is. This company, of course, is open to people of all ages and at whatever length of stay they are good and healthy to provide. Um, but uh, it, it'd be interesting to get the official point of view from large-scale employers. And the other thing I is, haven't heard of anybody with 10 weeks care. holiday. You know, you work with a company and now it's supposed to stop at 65 when you leave. Are they going to move it up to 67? You're still covered? These are good questions. We have to ask those questions. Yep. Yep. Very interesting questions. And I think it's a it's a matter of, you know, changing the way society thinks about this. Uh, and that's not necessarily a quick thing. Jim, thanks for your call. Let's go to Barb in Hamilton. Hello, Barb. Oh, hello, Lippy. How are you today? And Moses. Hello, Barb. Uh, you're good? Anyway, I'm calling because this is another issue. Again, I think it needs to be a volunteer situation because of nursing. We are having people who have to work up to 65. And in nursing, you need to be physically and mentally able to give your all to these residents or these persons in long-term care, which requires all your energy and time that you can give. You can't afford to be moving slower. You can't, you have to be able to think quickly. And um, again, it's very individual. Um, I know when I said to myself, I was in nursing, I, well, you can't call it nursing, I guess, personal support worker, but I was working with people. And I said to myself, the day I can't give the dignity, respect, and choices to the people that I worked with or for, because I am working for them, and... Um, then that's the time for me to leave. I could not have worked past 65. In fact, I had to stop a little bit before because of my health. It's interesting but, to have this from your perspective. And uh, yes, I, I think we, we sometimes lose sight of the fact that there are certain jobs that require sheer physical stamina. Still. That's right, Moses. That is so right. Good. And, you know, it's people that's going to suffer again. We have enough problems in nursing. We don't need that. People have to work because they can't afford to retire. Yeah, but there, there's also, I mean, you're talking about um, full-time. I mean, nursing is extremely demanding work physically, but right. but if there were more part-time nurses, that, that may be a solution. So it's one thing to pull down a full week of shifts, but, you know, maybe you'd be okay to do one or two shifts a week. If that you were... could be an option, but again, it's an individual basis. Yep. I... Um, now, there's also the one-on-ones available sometimes, but the one-on-ones that you need some sort of income to cover. Yep. Um, the times you're losing. Okay, Barb, thanks for your okay, call. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Bye. Barb. Bye. Okay, Carmine in Vaughn. Hello, Carmine. Hello. 
You're on the Thank air and we're listening. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. I uh, just wanted to talk about this uh, uh, retirement age uh, going up to 67 again. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe, yes, and, and, and uh, I'm 100% against it. And I'll tell you why. Uh, people who are 65 years of age and uh, can't afford to retire or have nothing to do, they have them taking care of themselves. I retired at age 53. I've never regretted a day in my life. And the reason I retired is my son needed a job. Where I worked, they were laying off 160 of us. We all retired and all our kids got a job where I worked. That's quite a story and, and probably and they're quite very, unique. Very happy there because they make it earning a good living, hmm. and they're almost ready to retire now. And and tell me, how have you managed all these years? I have hobbies. I mean, I I I, uh, I uh, coach soccer for my life. I, I I've uh, refereed soccer. I've been involved in sports activities. I I have I go to the fitness center. So you've kept busy, but how how does the money work for you? Well, I retired because I had 30 years uh, where I worked, and uh, they gave me a package. Ah, so you, you have a decent pension from the company? Yes. And you have your CPP and so on? Yes. And I that's, that's enough for you? I my CPP at age 60. Yeah, but you, you see, Carmine, you're in a better position than most people because you have a company pensions. Though that, that is becoming increasingly scarce, and it, it's almost the creation. You know, you, we think the classes are rich and poor, but it's people with a pension and people without a pension, and most people are without a pension. Yeah, but, but at age 65, you should be able to get a pension if you haven't got a pension. No, I mean 65. a company pension. I don't mean the government pension. I mean a company pension. Well, if you've worked 30, 40 years and you've saved enough money, then you could, you could uh, you make do. You're right, I've, you are. I've got friends who don't have a company pension, and they're making do. It puts I a mean, much greater you know, onus on the individual. Twice a year, but... But uh, you, you buy your food, and you pay your bills, uh, and you still survive. Yep. Well, so good I, I for you. People... Good for you, Carmine. Thank you. Well done, yeah. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, uh, let's go to Murray in Etobicoke. Hi, Murray. How are you doing today? Fine. How are you? Well, I just thought of something. I, I, haven't, I, I was thinking of a good song, Oh, to be a liberal. Oh, to be a liberal. <laughs> Only one person, Justin Trudeau. And here he is. I can remember the president there when you had him at CARP. The, right. And he, he talked how easy we could support this 65 age. Right. And now it's got to go up to 67. And I'll bet you Harper's sitting in there with his Tim Horton and roll up the rim, you know. And he's having a good laugh today. He and he says, boy, I tell you, they didn't like me. Maybe it was my hair. Maybe it was my glasses. But they still didn't like me. And look what's happening with these great liberals. Mm. You would say I was a conservative, sir, wouldn't you? <laughs> no, you, you make a good point and you put a nice light touch on it. Um, but at the time, you know, uh, there the, the were um, many of us at Carter who thought that the argument could be well made, we were just upset that uh, the prime minister chose to make this announcement arbitrarily out of the blue uh, in a foreign country. And, uh, and we, we, we hoped that when he came back, he would have been willing to explain himself, make the case, speak to the older citizens of Canada, but they never did. They just... Well, no, I agree with you. Harper... Uh, 
he was so smart on finances yeah. and concerned we're going in debt. And I won't be here in, in, in um, 2050 when it's $1 trillion, $300 billion. <laughs> and that scares me, too. Uh, you know, and that, uh, I guess, was his downfall, not explaining himself and not being a person to person. And, and I have to say, Justin's done very well with that. But talking about uh, working after 65, when I worked with a certain company because I was in the trades, they kept me on for two more years, and they wanted to keep me on. I was almost 70, and I says, look, sir, I think I better give it up. I have 45 years working in my life, wow. and I've already paid my due, mm. and I'm getting my old age, my CPP, and I'm living well, and today I'm doing very well. I can't, uh, you know, I can't uh, complain health-wise. I just last year had a four-way, bi- a three-way bypass with a new heart valve, and wow. I'm coming wow. back very good. Well, I must say, you have a lilt in your voice. You sound full of beans. <laughs> well, I'm a... I'm what you call one of these uh, people is concerned about my country, Canada. Uh, and if I could just get young people to get involved, yeah. this is the best country in the world. And Good we've man. got to work at our uh, constitution, our values, and uh, let the world know we're here. But when they come here, they live our values. Absolutely. Murray, thanks so much for your call. You're most welcome. Bye-bye, Murray. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, do we have time for uh, one more? Uh, okay, uh, let's go to Kathy in Niagara Falls. Hi, Kathy. Hi. You're um, on the air and we're listening. Okay, thank you. I just wanted to make a couple points. That that lady that phoned in to talk about the PSW job kind of said, said it for me, too. Because when, when you're doing a heavy job like that, it's really hard to keep working after 65. I hear you. Even 60. I know girls that I worked with that can hardly walk now, and I'm 68, and they're way younger than I am, and, and they're on canes and, and uh, walkers and everything. So uh, not everybody is in good health when they get to be that age. That's a serious point. I hope someone from the government is paying attention. I think this idea of trying to create voluntary incentives is the way to go. Also, I wanted to say, if people hang on to their jobs like these teachers that make so much money they don't want to leave their jobs, I have a, a granddaughter and a niece that both had to go to the States to get jobs in teaching because there's just no teaching jobs up here for young people. Well, but, but you know what? Teachers have great pensions, so they, they often do retire fairly early, and then they start second careers. Um, but, yes, uh, I think that's more a function of demographics, that, you know, they hired a lot of teachers when people my age were going through school, and there are a lot fewer kids now. Yeah, well, that was another thing. I'm just thinking if these people hang on to their jobs... There's so many kids out there nowadays that need jobs, and with all these uh, refugees coming over too, uh, who's going to give all these people jobs? If they keep hanging on to the jobs till they're 70, there's not going to be any jobs for anybody. Well, that's not necessarily true. Uh, depends what kind of jobs, how long. Kathy, thank you so much for okay. your call. Okay, that is all the time we have for this. Moses, thank you so much for this. I'm sure we'll continue this conversation. Anything you want to leave us with? It was a great pleasure uh, coming by, Libby. I I think we should continue to ask our listeners what they think about this rollback. Uh, But 
in in that announcement by the liberals, there is a glimmer, I think, of the correct way forward, which is it should be left to the individuals. Incentives should be in place to encourage more people to stick at it longer. Okay. Moses, thanks so much for dropping by. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.